Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at the last verses of, uh, of this chapter. For a number of months, we have been walking through what could arguably be said is the most famous sermon in all of history. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's one that Jesus preached, and he preached with followers there as he sat on a mountain and people began to gather, and he began to talk to them about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the reign and rule of God in our lives. And when we come to the point where we're willing to uh, accept him and accept who Christ is as our Savior, we become a part of his kingdom. And then we allow him to reign and rule in our life. And it changes us. And so what Jesus does is he lays out here in the Sermon on the Mount what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom of God? And he talks about the character. And then he talks about the influence. And then he talks about the conduct. And so over these three chapters, he begins to give us values, activities, attitudes, actions, and perspectives that are countercultural. But through his teachings and his truths, he challenges us. And he challenges us to be people that are different. And in this challenge, he says, the ones who embrace them will find an abundant life that is filled with meaning and purpose and significance, not only here on earth, but also into eternity. But then he's also very clear in saying, those who reject them will find destruction in their lives here on earth and pain and suffering for eternity. And so as Jesus closes out his sermon, he draws a distinction between those who just hear the words and those that do the words. And in fact, he could be standing in front of us today and saying, for those of you who've been participating in this uh, series through the Sermon on the Mount, you are all hearers of the word. But now he's going to draw a line of distinction. At the very end, he's going to say, there's going to be some of you that are just going to be hearers. That's all you're going to do. But then there are others who will be the doers. See what he has to say about this. Verse 24. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, you hear and you do, and he does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, just a side note over here. Mostly, most of the times when we preach sermons, we try to end them on a good high note, something positive. So when you walk out of here, you're going to feel pretty good. The greatest sermon ever preached. Did you hear the last words that he said? If you don't obey the words, your house will fall and it'll be a great crash. I'm out of here. And he walked away. Wow. Pretty strong. 
Just a word to keep in mind when people come to you and say, well, Jesus was just sort of fluffy kind of guy, a little happy preacher stuff. Not if you read the Sermon on the Mount. And so as he gets here to close out the sermon, he drives everything down. What we call he's landing the plane. And as he lands the plane, he begins to draw a distinction out of all those people that are sitting there. Some of you are just going to hear the words. That's going to be it. But others of you, you're not only going to hear the words, but you're going to apply them. You're going to obey them. You're going to do them. So let's just walk through this message. And here's your first point I want you to write down. It is that homes will be built. And I put parentheses in their lives. Because as he talks about a man building a house, at the same time he's talking about us building our lives. So homes and lives will be built. I can't think of a more appropriate scripture than for what Janice and I have been through over well over a year ago. As we began to downsize and move from an established home, which we lived in for over 18 years, and then we went to a, a new plan subdivision to where we would downsize, build a, a, a smaller house, and then sit down with the people to build the house. I had no idea how many choices and decisions you have to make in just building a house. I mean, when they sit down with you, they lay out all these plans and say, you can choose any one of these plans, so then you choose your plan. And then they say, okay, now do you want siding or do you want brick? We'll go, well, we'll go with brick. Well, what color brick? Here are all your options over here. Well, let's choose that one. And mortar. We have different colors of mortar. What mortar do you want on there? Oh my goodness. All right. Then we get inside and they said, do you want flooring? Well, yeah, now what kind of flooring? Well, this like this. What mate do you want? And what color do you want? Uh, shades do you want on that? Okay. Then we get to figure out your countertops, get to figure out your tile, your grout on your tile, uh, the pools on the cabinets, uh, what kind of doors do you want? What shower heads do you want? How about faucets? What kind of sink do you want? What kind of molding do you want to go up there? It's endless. And he went there and gave you all these choices, and you kind of map out everything that you want to try to get the house just like you want. But there was one thing they never asked me. Hey, you want your foundation on sand or you want it on rock? Never asked me that question. Didn't ask that question. And Jesus tells a story about a man who's going to build a house, and he didn't go through all the details as to whether it was what color it was going to be or what kind of mortar he was going to have or inside what kind of amenities he was going to have. He just put the focus on one thing, and that was on the foundation. And so he says, you got two different people that went to buy, build a house. The first one he calls a wise man, and he said he built his house on the rock. And when he says that rock foundation, it means the bedrock. It is, it's a bedrock that can't be moved. And what he did was he dug down below the surface of the sand to the bedrock, and there he established the foundation for his house. So if this was the sand here and that was the bedrock, what he did was he just kept driving down, driving down until he got to the solid bedrock, and this was it. And he says, this is where we'll build the foundation of the house. And so he started with that foundation, and then he began to build up his house. So the wise man built his house on the rock. So what is the rock? What is Jesus talking about when he says, hey, build it, builds it on the rock? The rock is the words of Jesus. The rock are the words of Jesus. The message, I love the way it, it translates, verses, uh, chapter 7, verse 24. And look what the message says. He says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. 
words to build a life on. What Jesus is saying, take the Sermon on the Mount, take the three chapters of what I've been telling you. These are foundational words to build your life on. And he says, there's a wise man. And the person who's wise is the one who hears and does what Jesus says to do. He not only hears Jesus' sayings, but he obeys them and he adopts them as life principles. This foundation is one that combines the authentic commitment to Christ with persevering obedience. The authentic commitment to Christ. I believe who you are, Jesus. I believe you were the one that was sent from God. I believed you lived a perfect life. I believe that you went to the cross and died for my sins. I believe that when they took your body off the cross and put it into a tomb, three days later, you were raised from the dead. And I believe that you ascended to heaven. I believe that you sit at the right hand of the Father. And I believe that one day you're coming back. All of these things. It's an authentic commitment to Christ and a persevering obedience. So not only did I hear your word, but I'm obeying your word. I'm taking all these things that you said. Uh, One writer said the Sermon on the Mount is not meant to be admired, but to be obeyed. We're not just going to admire these words. We're going to obey these words. And that's what the wise man does. He takes these words of Jesus and he makes them as his foundation. Well, you say, well, gosh, everybody seems like they should build a house on a rock. Why doesn't everybody do this? Well, in the book of Luke, Luke, in, in, um, uh, in recording what Jesus said, took a time when Jesus made this statement and shared it just a little bit differently. Look what he says in Luke 6, 48. He says, he's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Now, all Luke did was add in what Jesus said there is exactly what was assumed in the first one. In order to get to a bedrock foundation, you've got to dig deep. And I'm telling you, it's a whole lot easier to build on sand rather than to dig to the shelf of the rock below. Have you ever watched a big building go up? And it just seems like it takes them forever to see any progress because they're digging so deep to lay the foundation. It takes a lot of time. And to dig deep is a long march of obedience that mostly goes against our present-day culture. And so if you're going to dig deep and build on the words of Christ, you've got to understand it's a path that you're taking that's not popular with many of your peers. It's hard work, and it's a strong commitment. But the wise man saw the value of it, and so he dug deep and he built his house on the foundation of the rock. He said, but there was a second man. And he says, he built his house on the sand. That's your sand foundation. And on the sand foundation, it's one who hears the words, but he just doesn't apply them. He kind of takes the easy route. His desire is to get a nice house up as quick as possible. I just want it to look good. I want to get it up. I want to get it up quickly. Let's take the easiest route possible. And what Jesus said is, and then there was a foolish man. The word foolish in the Greek is where we get our word moron. Okay? Now, in this politically correct, sensitive environment we are in, if I, as your pastor, said, you're a moron, I have to say, you're acting foolish, okay? What Jesus says is, this guy's moronic. In fact, he's a moronic fool, that he did not listen to my words, and he built a house on the sand. But now, here's the great thing. Everybody that's sitting out there listening to him is probably nodding their heads, saying, that's a dumb thing to build a house on the sand. And he says, you know, This man was so shallow in his thinking 
that he lays a shallow foundation on the sand. He just don't want to be troubled with thinking about what it's going to take to get down deep into the foundation. It just takes too long. I just don't want to do that. And what Jesus says, he says, I'm calling this man a fool because he heard the words. He heard the words of life, but he didn't obey the words. This man was a fool in this illustration that he had an opportunity to build a house and he built them on sand. And then he looks out to the congregation, all these people that he's speaking to and says, the person that does not obey these words, they're foolish. It would be like going to the doctor. You go to the doctor and you say, man, I'm just not really feeling good. And, I, and my energy is low. It feels like I've got a, a temperature and, uh, and I'm coughing and I'm sneezing. And you go to the doctor and he gives you a test. He says, yeah, guess what? You got the flu. And so now here's a prescription and I need you to take the prescription. I need you to go home. You need to go rest and you need to drink plenty of fluids and take the medicine. We're going to see if we can get you better. So what happens when you walk out and just kind of wad up that prescription, just kind of throw it away and then say, hey, I'm not going to take that. And you know what? I'm not going to change my pace of life. I'm just going to keep on going like I'm going. Well, then all of a sudden this guy gets really seriously ill. And what do all of you say about this guy? He's a fool. Why didn't you do what the doctor told you to do? He knew exactly what your ailment was and he told you exactly what you need to do to get well. And see what Jesus says is, You want to be a part of the kingdom? You want to be a kingdom citizen? I'm going to tell you, this is exactly what you need to do. This is how you build a strong life. This is how you build a strong home. And he says, and the one who says, I'm not going to listen to those words. He says, that's a foolish man. That is a foolish man. And you see, we have got, when you look in this illustration, everything that you read that Jesus says lets you think that it's the same house. From the bottom up, same house. The only difference is the foundation. They look the same on the outside. The only difference is is one's on a sand foundation and one's on a rock foundation. And usually you can't really tell the difference. You're just looking straight at them and saying, hey, they look the same to me. And to the casual observer, there's no difference. When you go by and visit them and you walk in the house of the sand foundation guy, his house looks just the same as the one when you walked into the house of the rock foundation guy. They all look the same. And to the casual observer, there is no difference. As we look out in our worship center and as we walk through and and follow people who claim to be Christians, it's the same. We've got two types of people. We've got rock foundation people. We've got sand foundation people. And to the casual observer, there is no difference. Both read the Bible. Both go to church. Both listen to sermons. Both listen to Christian music. Both buy Christian literature. And both, if they're Southern Baptists, think the biblical word fellowship is synonymous with potluck supper. So, you know, we're, it's like we're, 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 we're the same. Both seem to be solid Christians, but it's all outward. It's all style. And to the casual observer, they're still the same. Well, so how do you ever know what the difference is? Only a storm will reveal the truth. Only a storm will reveal the truth. Because see, it's only when the storms come that we begin to see really what a person's house is built on. Is it built on sand? Or is it built on a rock? Is it built on sifting sands of culture? Or is it built on a strong foundation of the words of Jesus Christ? And that's the second point, and that is that storms will come. If you looked in this passage 
He says, and the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, the house that was on the rock. And then in verse 26, and it said, verse 27, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house of the foolish man. Here's three things about storms. Number one, storms will be inevitable. Storms will be inevitable. He's talking to a group of listeners who understand this. In Palestine, there would be these sandy hollows that throughout the summer months were just as dry as a bone. But all of a sudden, when those winter, those autumn rains and winter rains, when they began to come, there would be this torrent of water that would come flowing through those sandy hollows. And they fully understand that. Those storms come and it's inevitable. They know that when the seasons change, those storms will be coming. And listen, I've got to tell you, there'll be storms of crisis and calamity, and it will come to all of us. It's inevitable. Nobody lives a storm-free life. They're going to come. There'll be crises, and there will be calamity. Storms are inevitable. Storms are indiscriminate. They're indiscriminate. Storms, they came to the house built on the rock, and it came to the house that was built on the sand. I want you to understand this. The choice of foundation will affect the impact of the storm, but it will not exempt you from the storm. Listen again. The choice of foundation, it will affect the impact of the storm, but it will not exempt you from storms. You walk out of here and say, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to build my life on the teachings of Christ. I am going to build my life on the rock. You do not get a storm-free card. It's not like Monopoly when you get a get-out-of-jail-free card. You don't get a storm-free card because, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, so I'm in good shape. I got no storms coming. No. They came to the house on the sand, and they came to the house on the rock. The only difference is, is the effect of that. They're going to come. Listen, we got two people. Now, there are a lot of others here that could be miracles. we got two people that are here today that, to me, are just flat-out walking miracles. Strong, godly men, godly families, incredible storms hit their lives. And miraculously, God is saying, Paul Pence. Paul, I want you to stand up. Way over, right over here. Come on, Paul. All right, Paul Pence. Paul Pence doing uh, on a business trip. Um, got shot three times. Got three bullets that went through him. Two weeks later, he was back at work. It's unbelievable. All right. So if you're going to come after Paul, better bring the kryptonite. Okay. No. All right. So it's incredible miracle over there. We got another one. Larry Taunton. Larry, yeah, I'm going to ask you to stand up now. Larry, I know that you're okay. See back over, right back on over there. Here's a miracle. About two months ago, I guess it's been about two months ago. Uh, on a bicycle, uh, goes headlong into a car. He still hadn't learned that a bike is smaller than a car. He goes headlong. He gets 30 miles an hour, gets a crash. I could sit there and detail every bone that was broken, but it's easier for me to tell you the bones that were not broken in his body. Every person in the emergency staff said, you're a miracle, you're a miracle, you're a miracle, you're a miracle. No brain damage. Uh, it's just incredible as to what has happened. And here he is in a service just a couple months later. Listen, storms come. And these are good men and good families and strong houses, but yet storms came. We just need to understand, crisis will come, calamity will come, storms are inevitable, and they are indiscriminate. But last of all, storms are intense. You know, the storms here 
were the exact same and there was an intensity about them. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and they came to both houses with the same forces. But the question is, how will you respond when the storms come? They're going to hit us and they're going to be intense. There's going to be losses of jobs. Companies downsize. Companies sometimes go out of business. And you find yourself without a job. There'll be losses of jobs. There'll be losses of property. Cars get damaged. Houses get damaged. Boats get damaged. You get loss of property. You get loss of health. There's a heart attack. There's a stroke. There's cancer. These storms, they come. And then there's loss of life, of loved ones, of friends. And, and so how, how, do you, how do you respond to that? Your response will be determined by your foundation. Um, on Tuesday, Janice and I, well, tomorrow, Janice and I will be traveling uh, to Ruston, Louisiana to do a memorial service for one of our best friends, really one of Janice's closest friends, Karen Aiken. Six-year battle with cancer, passed away about a week and a half ago. But to walk with their family and to see the church home up there in Indiana that's walked with them through that, it's just amazing. And that, I mean, the winds are blowing, the floods are coming, and the rain is falling. And it's a hard thing to deal with, but to see the strength of this family is because their foundation is strong. You see, storms will come, but that's where your third point is, and that is homes or lives will stand or fall. Homes or lives will stand or fall. And the factor that determines what will remain and what will not remain is the foundation. The house on the rock said it did not fall. Rains fell, floods came, winds blew, but the house didn't fall. That wise person had thought ahead. He knew there would be storms. He knew there'd be sacrifices. So he built his life on the rock of Jesus's words. House on the sand. It says the house of the sand, it says it fell and great was the fall. But one translation literally says it fell with a great crash. It fell with a great crash. Emotionally, physically, socially, spiritually, boom. There's a crash. The storm came and it crashed. This is a great reminder that the size of the building makes little difference if your foundation is shaky and not stable. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how influential you are, how smart you are, or how athletic you are. When the storm comes, whether you stand or fall will be dependent on your foundation. Not on SAT scores, not on your bank balance. Not on your GPA, not on your athletic prowess. It's going to depend how strong is your foundation. You know, I I love to go to the beach, and uh, when we go, there are always people out there that make these little sandcastles. You know, they make something in the sand. Now, for you young people, you got a real challenge ahead of you. When I was growing up, people just made like a couple little spires and maybe a little wall. Today, people make incredible I don't know, just pieces of art out there in the sand and they spend hours and hours and then they make this turtle or something that almost looks like it's alive and they got mermaids and they got castles and towers and they've been out there all day and they stand back and they go, wow. 
and you walk out there just when the sun is setting just to stand there and to marvel at what they did. It's unbelievable. And then if you just go down a little bit further, you see what a little five-year-old and a seven-year-old did working with their dad. And they took those little form things, you know, where you can do just like this and this and this and this and this. And it's kind of a little circle. And then they found three shells and they stuck it in there. and That's theirs. Guess what? High tide came out that night. When I came back that next morning, what did I see? Flat beach. It didn't matter if it was a little kid's thing or whether it was this incredible work of art. It was all gone. Just sand foundations. And see, you stand or fall depending on your foundation. But I want you to understand today that if you have a a poor foundation, you're always going to have problems. You're always going to have problems. If you have a house that has a bad foundation, you're going to see cracks that will start in the walls. You're going to see floors that have settled, and then all of a sudden you begin to see some shifting and some cracks in the floors. You begin to see some shifting or falling off at the roof line. And what that is, is that is warning signs that you got a foundation problem. And unless you deal with it now, something worse is getting ready to come. And it says that you need to address these problems. And see, for some of you, you're sitting out here, you know that you've built your house on sifting sand. And while you're sitting out here, you're thinking about what are the cracks in the walls And what's the cracks on the floor that are happening? Maybe it's that anger that's been escalating. And yelling has progressed to pushing. And you are probably about one comment away from pushes becoming punches. There's a bitterness that's just eating you up due to unforgiveness. And it's affecting your personality. And you're finding that you're really losing more friends than you're gaining because of that change that has happened in your life. There's a judgmental, critical attitude about you that has moved from honestly assessing people and situations to wrongly dismissing people. It's like a cancer, and it's just eating you up. There are lustful fantasies that are dangerously close to moving from fantasy to reality. And you're like one opportunity away from that happening. The focus of your material possessions is on the here and now, and you're gaining more and more with no view of of storing treasures up in heaven. And the pressure and the fallout from these unwise financial decisions, they are constantly building. And in every one of these, there are cracks that are happening in the wall, cracks that are happening uh, on your floor, and it's screaming out at you, you got to address this. Because see, a major storm will come. And unless you address this, there'll be a fall and it will come crashing in. And Jesus is saying, you need to heed my words. He says, I can give you that strong foundation to build your home on. So when these storms come, you will be prepared. And that's the last point, and that is this. Build your home, your life, on the rock of Jesus' word. On the rock of Jesus' words. In fact, I'd put a plural on that. Put it on his words. 
Far more important than your choice of your life work or your life partner is the choice about life itself. We get so concerned about what do you want to do when you grow up? And if you want to get married, who do you want to get married to? And we put so much emphasis on that, and that's important. But most important is what are you going to do with your life itself? What is the foundation that you are going to build on? And what Jesus says is you build on his words, and you build on the words that he shared on the Sermon on the Mount. And just think about that. As you go through those three chapters, I want to encourage you as a congregation, don't take that section and set it aside and say, well, we had a sermon series on that. I'm done with it. Let it be something that you constantly revisit and realize that what Jesus has done, he has set before us values and ideals that are entirely different from the way of the world. He calls us to be different from everybody else. He calls us to be salt and light. And he puts us in a world, a world that is like rotten food that is decaying. And as it's decaying and, 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 and disintegrating right before our eyes, he calls us to be the salt that comes in to be that preservative to stymie the decay. He says that we're to be light and we live in a dark world and a gloomy world. And he says, you're to be the light that's going to go in there and to light this place up. You're to be a change agent. You're to be an influencer there. And then he begins to talk about your conduct. And he says that we're to have a deeper righteousness, a broader love that embraces even our enemies. And then we're to control our anger. We're to flee lustful thoughts. We're not to have a critical spirit. We're to give, to pray, and to fast with no compromise of our Christian integrity. And our treasure is to be on things eternal, and our ambition is to see the spread of God's rule and righteousness in the world. See, this is your choice. And you either build on the words of Jesus or you build on the shifting sands of our culture and your own selfish desires. You get to make that call. And that's why Jesus' final words were, are you going to be a hearer? Are you going to be a doer? All these things that I've told you. And the last thing, and usually a lot of people when they walk out, they think about it, the one last illustration or one last thing that was said, the last thing he told them them is there's two kind of house builders. There's a wise builder and a foolish builder. The wise builder is going to build on a strong foundation of my words. Storms will come, house won't fall. Foolish builder, Hey, it's not going to do that. It's going to build on things of culture and what just feels good and thinks is right in his own eyes. And when the storm comes, he's going to crash. But folks, we just need to understand that this is more serious than just the years that we're given here on earth. This is dealing with eternity. And it's whether we're going to spend eternity with God or eternity separated from him. And Jesus is saying, hey, hear my words and obey my words. I remember in 1992, in August of 1992, Hurricane Andrew came through. And at that time, it was one of the most destructive hurricanes ever. It was a Category 5, and the area that got hit the hardest was in South Florida, down around Miami. Uh, there's an area called Homestead that just got practically wiped out. And I remember seeing a TV crew that went out there And as they always do with various storms, they have set up crews and begin to pan the area and see all the destruction. But as they pan the area and saw all the destruction, they saw a house that was still standing. In the midst of all of that destruction, there was one house that was still standing. And the owner of the house was outside kind of cleaning up all the debris that was around him. And so the um, the television man interviewed him. And he asked him a question. He said, sir, why do you think that your house is the only one that's still standing? How did you manage to escape the severe damage 
of this hurricane. And this was his statement. He says, I built this house myself. And I also built it according to the Florida State Building Code. And when the code called for a two-by-six roof truss, I used a two-by-six roof truss. I was told that if you built a house according to code, it could withstand a hurricane. I did, and it did. I suppose that no one else around here followed code. I followed code. Followed the instructions. They told me to do this. Hey, I didn't know any better. That's what I did. And I built it according to code. And they said, if a hurricane comes, you'll be able to stand. Guess what it did? Jesus is saying the same thing. I've given you the code. (laughs) I've given you the words of life. And when I give you these words of life, I want to let you know storms are still going to come. I'm never going to promise you that's not going to happen. He said, they're going to come. But I'm just telling you that you won't crash. You're going to stand and you're not going to fall. Listen, when the days are sunny and the skies are blue, it's real easy for us to just say, you know what? I don't really need to worry about all this kind of stuff here. I don't need to worry about the guidelines in God's word. Everything is going great. And it can be very tempting to just go the easy route, kind of go my own way and the way culture wants us to go. But there is a hurricane coming, and everybody needs to be ready. And the words of Jesus are secure, they're timeless, and they are stable at the beginning of life and at the end of life and during all the storms in between. May we all be those who not just hear the word, but may we do and obey the word. Build that strong foundation, put it on the rock, and then be influencers for the kingdom of God as transformed believers. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you today the fact that you have given us your word and just to use terminology, you've kind of given us your building code as to what we need to do to build our homes and to build our lives. Lord, I pray for each person here today that they will take some introspection, take a look at their own life, And find out where they stand. Where is their house being built? Are they on shifting sands of culture or are they on the permanent rock of Jesus Christ? Lord, if there's someone here who knows that theirs is not built on the rock of Christ, I pray that today they would make that decision. I pray that today that they would say, Lord, more than anything, I want you to be my foundation. I want to learn your words and live by your words. And may they make that call and that decision right now on this day. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.